Hi, I am here with Jonathan Mitchell, host of Unleashed Greatness, the awesome podcast. Welcome, Jonathan. Hi, Tiff. How are you? I am awesome. Jonathan is an emotional health and business coach, and that's one of the reasons I asked him on today, because a lot of our viewers, listeners, they struggle with something that Jonathan's a little bit of an expert on, which is boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so why is it? Why do you think we struggle so much with our exes on boundaries? Isn't it just normal human behavior that we're supposed to respect other people's stuff? <laughs> you know, I think, um, first off, I just want to say thank you for having me on. It's an honor to, to be with you. And I love your actions. So anytime I get to enjoy you, it's awesome. Aww, so it's good. Well, thank you. Um, as, as far as uh, boundaries concerned, you know, I, I don't think it's just, I mean, I know we're going to talk about exes and that kind of stuff too, but it's boundaries in general. I think that we, in our society, haven't been taught like we don't get taught basic things about finances we don't get taught about emotional health and boundaries like there's just things that i think people assume you're supposed yeah. to know and we don't know well <laughs> so and, you learn, and you already know what you know so in, in the extreme yeah. versions if you've been in a family that has very unhealthy boundaries or very unhealthy you know emotional health then this unfortunately is what you're taught right inadvertently yeah. that's what we model Right. And until you have some experiences that are bad and negative where, where you get hurt or you hurt someone else that you start to find out, okay, maybe I should do something different. Um, and so it's like, I, I personally grew up with um, four sisters. So I'm, I'm the middle of four girls. Uh, uh, we talked about, emo we talked about emotional stuff all the time. My mom is a sweet angel, amazing woman. And uh, I grew up on the book um, feelings buried alive, never die. So as my first introduction to emotional health was just talking about emotions and my mom was determined to make sure that we were emotionally healthy kids. So we talked about stuff a lot. We had problems. We had talked about it. She talked about boundaries. So when I got older and got into like high school and college, I realized I was like, people don't have boundaries at all or mm -hmm. they don't know how to set them. So there, there's, there's extremes on either side. So you have the people who are controlling like mm -hmm. the red personality, a personality. They're like, I have to have things like this. And so if you, if you, if you had a stick figure and you drew a rectangle around them, they'd yeah. have maybe one, one or two entrances into their box, right? Right, right. <laughs> Very strict boundaries. Yeah. Or there's the other side, which is like porous, where it's like almost like non-existent boundary where everyone can come in, right? Right, like and a safe. The, they let everything yeah, in. Like everything's in. And so the, yeah. obviously the balance is, is in the middle where there's – you restrict some, but you, you have to let it back into. So it's just yeah. – yeah, I could – Boundaries is such a fun conversation because it's, 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 it's an easy one, but it's also one you have to work on every day. Right. So. Well, well, it's so hard. So let's say, you know, be really stereotypical for a minute, but the average yeah. divorcee most likely has children with their ex, right? Yes. If you don't have children with an ex, to set up your boundaries is much more an issue of just sticking to them, you know, unless obviously your mm -hmm. ex is crazy and you need a restraining order. But with children, it's such a gray area because divorce is forever and you are forced when you have children to interact with those people on some kind of level, whether it's child support, school projects, you know, sleepovers, yeah. holidays. So how, how do people navigate that? It's such a difficult path. Yeah, you know, it's, 
in the extreme cases, sadly, it sometimes can come down to a court-ordered boundary, which is just an agreement on a court or issue. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, and I'd like to think that most people, guys and girls both, because I've seen both sides where boundaries were not respected enough by whatever party was involved, and it had mm-hmm. to get the court involved to enforce those boundaries. But for the most part, I think it's mostly being willing to accept someone else's boundaries and also being willing to communicate your own because a lot of times I think our boundaries are an internal thing mm-hmm. and we don't we we assume that people know what our boundaries are and you can't right. assume that you have to you have to be very clear saying this is my boundary right here mm-hmm. and after you have communicated your boundaries if they keep disrespecting it which is called abuse if they keep disrespecting your boundaries and abusing mm-hmm. you that's when you need to take a little bit more of the extreme case getting something else involved but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I always tell people, you know, in the, in the situation, you really have to think of it as a business contract. So you've separated yeah. your assets. Now you have your children and you have the rest of your life. And so I always recommend everybody writes everything down. Mm-hmm. Right. Verbally, it's very easy to say, I didn't say that. She didn't say that. I didn't think you meant that. That's not what I meant. And so I always say when you, when you actually divorce, you write a letter to your spouse that's just bullet points. It's bullet points business yeah. that says, now we are no longer married. I would like you to abide by these boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right? No, there's nothing to argue about or say it wasn't whatever. And then you wait and see if they respect them or not. And if they respect them, awesome. If they don't respect them, the annoying <laughs> response. But honestly, the easiest is refer to the email right right and and obviously i mean if it escalates out of that context and it gets like we said before people who are really mentally unhealthy who can't stop and have no boundaries and maybe they have narcissism sociopathism you know psychopathism god only knows those are kind of like extreme version but the majority of people if you write it down you send it to them you ask them nicely and you also do it in re- reciprocation because you can't expect somebody not to walk into your house right. if you're constantly walking into theirs. <laughs> right. right? And, and so, you know, basic common sense, I think. Yeah, it's a lot of times it's things that you think would be common sense, but honestly people don't think about it because it's all this unsaid, unspoken communication rules that – are not clear. So it's like, mm-hmm. like you said, it's having something written down in an email and in, in a notepad, recording the conversation, like whatever it is, it's saying, no, it's not what we said. What we said was this. And sometimes even if you communicate your boundaries, it's not heard on the other side because communication is three parts. It's what is said, what happens in the middle, and then what's understood, which is mm-hmm. not always the same thing. So it's like, yeah. And making sure you're good. So like for someone, I mean, if anyone's listening who has problems with this, I, I wrote an article on LinkedIn about this just with four steps. So boundaries is number one, knowing your limits, knowing what bugs you, what doesn't bug you, what's okay, what's not okay. And mm-hmm. you becoming very clear on what the limits are. Mm-hmm. Uh, two is like, like you said, just communicating it when it's in written form. <clears throat> written form is usually the best because you have some record to go by. Third is, like you said, it's watching the fruits. It's making sure you can see if they're actually going to respect it or not and see what's going on. Mm. But the number four thing that I think people miss is holding the line. Mm. If, if someone, if you do not 
communicate when a boundary is being crossed. It is not the person's fault who's crossing it. It's you for not communicating that they're crossing it. Does that make sense? Right. Right. So you have to take ownership of it. Now, if they continue to cross it, then it's their problem. You know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Well, and it, I think that it is hard. I mean, I think some people don't respect other people's boundaries as a form of control yeah. that they can't let go. They still want to control them. They still think in some way their ex-wife or ex-husband is some kind of possession of theirs almost. Right. So that's a really bad kind of boundaries. But then there are some people who honestly... I think it's just difficult for them. You know, they've, they've lived in a house with their spouse and those kids for 20 years. Now they've mm. moved out. Well, why can't they come over and let themselves in and pick up their son? <laughs> right? Right. Because, I mean, they've been in there for 20 years. That's how it's been. That's where the son is. The son is there. You know, it's like a, it's not a gray area, but emotionally, it's very difficult for some people to accept that their life is completely changed. Might be the same house, might be the same kids, well, most likely same kids. <laughs> um, but they don't, you know, they can't figure out that it is different. You don't get to have the benefits of being divorced and the benefits of being married still when you're divorced, which I think a lot of people try and like straddle that area. Yeah. Well, and, and part of it too, it's an awkward conversation to have. Like, telling someone when they've crossed the boundary or not, it's not, yeah. it's not a fun conversation. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't want to say to someone, um, you can't come over here when I make it trying to clean up my house and get, so, I mean, it's, there's lines you can't cross. And it's awkward. But at the same time, yeah. you're like, this isn't okay. Like, if you're going to come over, you got to text me before, you got to call me before, like whatever your boundary is. Mm -hmm. And then you, I can let you know when it's okay with me. And I right. think that's the thing is that people like on the, on the two extremes, a controlling person or someone who just, overrides a boundary we'll just think well it's okay with me so i'm gonna go ahead and do it without yeah. respecting the person's boundary and if someone's too loose or relaxed we'll be like well i guess it's okay I, I won't you know they don't pay attention to their inner voice saying i'm uncomfortable with this you know mm -hmm. it's being willing to say i don't feel good about this and then speaking out about it so right which is difficult because in both marriages there is usually a dominant person and a passive person and right. And I don't have to tell you which one is more likely to cross the boundaries. <laughs> right. And so whatever you do in your marriage is, it's interesting to me, whatever you do in your marriage, when you divorce people, it often escalates that part of them. Yeah. And so, you know, if they didn't really have very many boundaries when you were married, you can't really expect them all of a sudden once you divorce them to have all these boundaries in place, unless you said, unless mm. you really stick to them. So what advice would you give somebody who right now is struggling? They really, they really are passive. They really don't know, you know, what to do or how to talk to their ex. So how would you, you know, counsel them to, to tell their ex like this is not okay? Well, it, it, it really, it varies a lot depending on the ex's personality and how they communicate, obviously. But I think it's best to look at first saying why am I okay with this behavior happening like I remember when I dated a girl and we broke up I went I went to counseling and I worked on you know what I needed to work on to get all my stuff and I, I complained about my ex and all this sort of stuff and, and finally the counselor just said you know you say all this stuff but you allowed this behavior to happen you mm. allowed it so I was like well, it just hit me like a brick uh, a ton of bricks and I was like I need to be better at knowing what my boundaries is and so 
for me because I sometimes I fall more to the to loose end of boundaries, and so I've been trying to get more strict. It's being so basically to, this podcast is for you. That's what you're it really me. is. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I love boundaries because this is usually for me. But that's okay. Um, but anyways, it's it's knowing that it's okay to set boundaries, even if it makes the other person upset or angry. You are not in charge of their emotional well being. It's not right. even when you're technically even when you're married, you're still not in charge of the emotional well being. Does that make sense? Yes. So, but when you're divorced, I mean, when you're married, it's different because you're you're somewhat. I mean, not responsible, but you want to make sure you can do what you can to work through conflict. When you're divorced, that is no longer necessary. I mean, you want to keep the peace for your kids' sake if you need to, but overall, if they get pissed off because you tell them, "Hey, I can't. You can't come over on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You can come over on Thursday only." That's up to them. Like that's they get to feel about it however they want to feel, and it's okay. But you do not have to put up with it. That makes sense, right? So, and you you also don't need to escalate it, right? If there's a right. extreme reaction from spouse A, spouse B doesn't then have to pile on top of that. The mature, right. sensible thing to do is obviously walk away and let them have their little toddler tantrum reaction over right. there. Yeah. Uh, you go about your business. As yeah, well. it's. You don't want to use it as a control mechanism. Like you don't want to manipulate them or to use it to trigger them. That's not the purpose. It's just saying in a healthy way, you have your space to have your emotional reaction. I'm not going to make it worse, but it's, it's also your emotional reaction is not going to control what I think or what should happen, you know? Right. So as far as communicating, if I was to talk to someone who was passive, um, like myself used to be, <laughs> it's, it's being able to say something as simple as, um, Let's just say the coming over thing, okay? So coming over at times I'm uncomfortable with. Um, I would just be like, you know, I, I know that we used to have the case. We used to be married, so obviously you can come over whenever. We're not married anymore. I know this isn't a fun conversation. Actually, I, I'm going to back up a second. There's a book called Crucial Conversations that is incredibly powerful. And in that book, it talks about saying two things, saying what I do want to have happen in this conversation and what I don't want to have happen. So mm -hmm. you, when you start conversations out saying, okay, I need to talk to you about a boundary that I have. And what I don't want to do is upset you. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. But what I do want to do is make sure you know this is important to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that way, if you define it that way, and then you come out and say, when you come over whenever you want, and I'm like trying to work out, or maybe I have friends over, like it's uncomfortable for me and it's not okay. So we need to work out something to where you communicate with me. Like we need to have a phone call or you need to ask me. And it has to be okay if I say, tonight's not a good night, period. Mm -hmm. If it's not right. time for you to get come to get the kids, mm. you, you can't expect just to come over whenever. So it's it's using little simple communication, not tricks, but but strategies to help you uh, pre-frame the conversation in a way that they're not going to get upset or defensive, and you still respect them as a person. You know, so which is what we should all be doing, right? Respect. Right. If everyone, if every divorcee in America all of a sudden started respecting each other, it would be. Right. Better place, right? Right. Okay, so so that's kind of we've touched on boundaries. And mm -hmm. so what about staying emotionally healthy? Because I know you love to talk about this. And it's hard, it. right? It's hard mm -hmm. when you're just overwhelmed with stress and heartache and sadness. So what can what can you work on to stay emotionally healthy? Because obviously it's so important. Mm -hmm. So there's um I actually just talked about this about a podcast about a couple of like, like a week ago. There's a lot of things you can do, but I'm going to talk about 
four, maybe five things. So the first thing I would say is being okay with whatever you're feeling. So I think, especially when the secret came out and I love the secret, I love the law of attraction. I have nothing against it. However, the issue I have is that when people think I am not allowed to have negative feelings because I has to be positive mm -hmm. and attract good things, mm -hmm. you're stuffing down emotions that make it worse in the long run. Like we as humans, I'm not meant to breathe in all the time. I can't breathe in and inhale. I have to exhale at some point. When, okay. I have in, when I have food inside of me, I have to obviously get it out. Like when we have emotions, <laughs> we as humans, our entire being is meant to take in energy and to release it, whether it's air, food, or emotions. It's supposed to come in and go out, right? And the problem is, okay. like with air or with food, Emotions, we think, I'm just going to keep it inside, I'll be fine. But if we did that with air and food, we'd explode, which usually yeah. is what happens with emotions, right? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is being okay with like, I don't care if you have to sit down at your computer and write out your negative emotions, but giving yourself an outlet to get it out of your system. Like I use working out as a way to get out my frustration or anger or whatever, because mm. it's a good way for me to release and I'm not throwing up emotionally on someone, you know? No, um, that's I mean, and that one, that one is really, really important. And you and I are on the same page. I tell yeah. my clients, you know, it's, it's great. It's actually necessary for you to feel sadness, cry, you know, take a bath, cry for an hour, whatever you're going to do, eat hog and dust, <laughs> you want to do work out, but it's not okay to stay there forever. Right. Or for right. extended periods of time. But I agree. You have to let that out and you have to allow yourself to grieve or else you're not going to heal. Right. Well, it's like my sister right now is dealing with sarcoma cancer. And so oh, she experiences, a, I mean, she's a trooper. She's doing awesome, super positive. She's one of these people that kind of, she's naturally positive and I love it about her, but she doesn't give herself permission to be in a space where she's angry or frustrated or sad or scared. Like she doesn't give herself that permission. I said, so I, I told her, she called me once and I was like, all I want you to do is give yourself 30 minutes a day where you can feel any negative feeling you want to feel for that 30 minutes. Yeah. And you let yourself feel it, whatever that means, working out, writing something, bawling in your closet, whatever. And then after that, focus on gratitude and happiness and the good stuff, you know, because that's naturally who she is anyways. So okay. you're right. It's not about staying there, but it's about letting yourself flow it out. It's like it's just supposed to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, second thing I would say is, I know it comes down to, uh, at least for me with emotional health, anytime I call if I have a bad day and I, and I have to talk to my mom, I like, mom, I had a bad day. Even now I'm, you know, I'm almost 40 and I call my mom and she's like, did you get rest? Have you eaten? Are you working out? Like just, the, just the basic stuff. Right? You know, like, are you sleeping? Are you taking care of yourself? It's okay. The basic so stuff. awkward question. Are you the favorite? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, okay, I'll, I'll take it back. I'm the favorite boy in the family. How about that? Oh, well, you're the only boy. Okay, sorry. Well, I'm, I'm the only boy, but yeah, that's it. But I'm definitely not the favorite kid. It's okay, though. Okay. Anyways, so uh, number two thing is just making sure you're taking care of your physical self. So if you're not sleeping well or if you're not even working out, like when I was going through a bad time and I was depressed, this is like 10 years ago, I told myself, I was like, I'm just going to work out and I don't care if it's just for 10 minutes. I'm going to work out every day. And sometimes I worked out for an hour. Other times I worked out for 10 minutes. I was like, I can't do it anymore. That's it. But I felt so good accomplishing something that I set my mind out to, you know? So even something, taking a walk, doing 10 sit-ups, yeah. I don't care, but something. Yeah. Um, well, because that's so, that's so, I mean, I can't even tell you. If you've read my book, you know that I was in that stage. Mm -hmm. 
so many of my clients call me, you know, the number one thing a lot of people do when they're really, really suffering through heartbreak, sorrow, loss, is they don't sleep and they don't eat. Yeah. Right, I say to them, okay, you can't expect to feel good because you don't have nourishment, you don't have sleep, you know, basic human needs. And, right. uh, and then also you have all this stress and anxiety, sadness on top of you. And it's just right. a horrible combination. And so you might not be able to make yourself feel instantly better, but you can like force yourself to make sure that you're trying to eat healthy and you're trying to at least get proper amounts of sleep. And right. at least attempt that anyway. Right. So the, the last two things I was going to say, and I totally agree with you too, by the way, and I, and I did read your book, which I, I'm going to do a book review on your book, by the way, because it's awesome. Anyways, <laughs> off topic. Um, I just, if you haven't got her book, go get her book right now. Anyway, so, um, when, uh, so the first thing is letting yourself feel something, whether it's for a half hour, an hour, and then let it flow through. Second thing is, uh, taking care of yourself, the basics. And then third, two more things would be, um, gratitude and then good people to be around. So gratitude first. Mm. I, I, I read it in a book once that it said that gratitude is the alchemy of life. So if you want something to shift, you mm -hmm. become grateful for it. So let's just say you have a crappy divorce you're going through. I would challenge you, even as sucky and as horrible as it is to hear this, but to be grateful for the divorce. Be grateful for the pain. Be grateful for all. I'm not just saying be grateful for breathing and eyesight, because you should be grateful for that anyways. But being grateful for the crap, and it helps the energy and the emotion of gratitude shifts things so much faster then if you don't do it, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I would say is just trying, allowing yourself to just try to be grateful for even the crap. And then the last thing is friends. Um, again, 10 years ago, I went through a bad breakup and I was recovering. I had a buddy that I hadn't seen for a long time that played music. And so I called him up one day and he came over and we jammed. And it was just so nice to be with a good, positive person that liked to be with me, that wasn't judging me and wasn't angry at me because of relationship mistakes that I made. It was just nice to be me and mm -hmm. be liked. Does that make sense? So absolutely, yeah. Because yeah, because really good friends. Well, and divorce yeah. is a natural friend sorter, right? So yeah. your fake friends instantly disappear, and so you'd be grateful for that, right? Because nobody needs those kind of friends anyway. And then the nice thing about having you know kind of in a new situation, it gives you more commonality with other people who have gone before you in divorce or separation, and all of a sudden you have like this commonality with a bunch of different people that maybe you would never have been friends with before. And I think that, you know, meeting new people and being exposed to new, you know, ways of thought and whether it's they like different food or different concerts or whatever it yeah. is, just the outlook of life is a lovely thing, right? It expands your horizons. And um, I think it's a good thing for everyone. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to add 4.5, maybe 5, but the last thing I would say <laughs> is not depending on, even though, I mean, you want to have good friends to influence you because like the five people you hang around help influence you, you know? Yeah. At the same time though, you don't want to rely on anybody else for your own emotional well-being, for your confidence, for your happiness. It's like, it's not up to your friend to make you happy. Mm -hmm. You've got to come to the point where you decide, I'm going to make my life happy and it's up to me. And my friends influence my happiness. They, they, they help me have a fun time and that kind of stuff, but they are, do not control or determine my happiness i do so it's taking responsibility saying this is my life this is what i'm going to do no one else can my ex nobody nobody can take that away from me so 
No, and that they're actually they're all really, really good things. Thank you so much for sharing those with us. Of course. So we don't have much more time, but you want to very quickly, let's talk about one extremism that we're getting asked Extreme. about a lot, <laughs> lot lately. How do you set up boundaries with somebody who literally is a narcissist or a sociopath? You know, I hate to say it, but um, a lot of the times there's either one of two extremes in my opinion. Number one would either be on one side would be court issued things like a restraining order or something court issued. Mm -hmm. Number two is completely cutting them out of your life, giving mm -hmm. them no power or energy at all. There's like, you set the boundary. I mean, obviously you communicate the boundary first off and then you cut them off totally. hundred mm percent. -hmm. My, my, uh, uh, my wife right now has an ex that she hasn't seen or dated for eight years. Right. But he still reaches out probably once a year and just last time he reached out, I was like, I so wanted to say something. And I know where he works. I could call him up and talk to him. She's like, if you do that, it's going to spark the fire. Like sociopaths, psychopaths, whatever, thrive on control. And if they know they're getting and reactions, to you. And, right? and, and reactions. Yeah. They want to know that you're bugging you and, and freaking out. So even though you might be doing that internally, do not give in to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, and if they yeah. if they yeah. cross the line extremely, then the court needs to be involved. Otherwise, I'd say get them out of your life totally. Don't give them any energy. Right. No, and that's why I say zero contact. Zero. Yeah. I mean, with with children, it's really really hard. I mean, right. it's, it's very very difficult. But even so, zero contact, or if you can't do zero contact, you narrow it down to you are only allowed to email, or you are only allowed to text. Personally, I prefer email. I don't like text. I think it's if you already have a stressful kind of tense reactionary mm. relationship with your ex who might be one of these things, seeing their name pop up on your phone when you're driving or doing something or studying for a test. I mean, generally we'll just like, even though uh, we might pretend we're not reacting, most people it will trigger them into some kind of negative emotional state. So I yeah. always, I think people feel more in control if they have to check their email and then see it. I had a friend that had this situation come up and they, and I know it changes from state to state, but they had the state law that you could one person um, opt in can, can record the conversation. And they mm -hmm. always, they had a, they had a set time saying, you're going to call me every week at this time. And they always had someone there and they always mm -hmm. recorded the conversation. So they did it over the phone, well, so they could plan it. Yes, yeah. and he yeah. they did it extreme because it had to happen. <laughs> well, uh, be, yeah, yeah, and the other thing is that they have a lot of now, which has helped a little bit. Some of our clients have used them; they've had success. There's actually a number of co-parenting apps, and even a court will order you to only communicate through the co-parenting app because it only lets you talk about children's schedules, medicine, etc. And so that yeah. kind of browse them into one area. So those are really good too. So if you're in need of that, look that up. Um, but anyway, Love Jonathan, it. it's been lovely to have you. Thank you. <laughs> so tell everyone, where can they find you? Well, they can find me is on this podcast with wonderful Tiffany and <laughs> on unleashg.com. So unleash and then the letter G.com or on Facebook or Twitter or, you know, Instagram or wherever else. Unleash G. Okay. And if you look underneath this uh, podcast or YouTube video, wherever you may be watching this or hearing this, 
there'll be the links to find Jonathan and reach out to him if you have any coaching needs, especially in emotional health or business. That's right. Okay, well, thanks, Jonathan, for being one of our experts, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you, Bear. You're awesome. Bye.